Last week we continued our series entitled Two Goods Not Believe with the message, It's Worth the Walk. And confession, I didn't make it all the way through. I like the way you're looking at me. I didn't make it all the way through, but you know what? We brought it down to a close because we had Baptism Sunday. Well, today we're going to finish up that message, tie in another message, make it all the way through, and also have another water baptism service. You know what I'm Because I'm not wearing white. When I wear my white pants, you know that we're not going to have baptism. I got my black pants on. Today, why in the world? Because when you believe in somebody, you're willing to take extra steps to keep walking with them. When you believe in Jesus, a natural response to that belief in Jesus is going public with your faith. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you want to know Jesus, you can. But I want to encourage you, you can do a lot in one service. This is a unique opportunity for you. If you feel far from God, you can be brought near today by decision of faith and also go public all in one day. So people say, well, Dave, you know, that's too big of a decision for the first day. Well, when I first started putting my trust in Jesus in December of 99, uh, joined a church in January of December of 98, and joined a church in January of 99. In February, they started talking about a baptism service. And they said, Dave, you probably want to wait to get baptized because that's for serious people. Serious people? Well, I'm pretty serious about my trust in Jesus because I know where I come from, and I don't want to go back. It doesn't matter where you're at in your faith. If you put your trust in Jesus and you feel inspired to go public with it, go public with it even if you don't have all the answers figured out. Because you'll never have all the questions answered. But if your faith is in Him, you can walk with Him, walk with other people, and make a difference in the world. Ephesians 4. Let's open up in our Bible today. The Bible reads this. Let's stand for the reading and honoring of God's Word. And my section title for this chapter it says, Unity in the Body of Christ. Unity in the Body of Christ. I would definitely say that out of all the churches that I know, in regards to the team and the cohesion, there's something very special about the unity of our church right now. We don't fight. We're walking. We want to love Him and we want to love others. We truly want to walk worthy of our calling. Because ultimately, at the very end of all of it, the only thing that's really going to outlive us is what we did for God and for others. The Bible reads this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one, to the one, that belongs to your cause, to the one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. It seems like old Paul just got on a tangent talking about one. 
who is over all and through all and in all. Last week, it was worth the walk. This week, we're going to finish it up on the thought of some assembly required. Some assembly required. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence in our life. I thank you, Lord, that we walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us through every experience. That includes moments of joy and also moments of sorrow. And I know, God, as we walk this walk with you and even without you, life will have its challenges. And the journey may not be easy. But God, I believe that there is a distinct difference between those who put their faith in you and those who don't put their faith in you. I don't believe it's a spiritual pedigree that separates those that are good and those that are bad. But Lord, I believe that it creates the opportunity for those that put their faith in you to be able to experience a God who loves, a God who forgives, a God who is kind, a God who is long-suffering, a God who is patient. A God who is not far from us, but is near to us, to the point that your son lived on this earth and was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is near, and I pray, God, that you would help us to be aware of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Me taking my Bible and sitting to the side is not the opportunity for me to use my words. I just didn't want to stand here the whole time with the Bible in my hand. Because if I stand with the Bible in my hand and then I start screaming when I'm preaching, some people may look at it and say, man, that's one of those screaming preachers, just beating the Bible over somebody's head. This journey of faith, it's a journey. And it's definitely not for the faint of heart. If you want to live selfish, if you want to live trying to climb for the next promotion, and you want to live trying to keep up with the Joneses or just trying to be happy in this life, you can. Or you could choose a higher life. A higher life not because you can climb there, A higher life because when you put your faith in God, he's able to do something in you that you can't do in yourself. A higher life that sets you in heavenly places even when you feel like you're walking through hell. It's a life in the presence of God. But there's there's some assembly required as we walk out our walk of faith. It is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart. 
But if you're willing to humble yourself and put your faith in a God whom you've never seen and surrender your mind, your will, your heart, and your emotions to one who is invisible but yet all-powerful, you can see some miraculous things take place in and through your life. But the walk sometimes can be difficult. The way you walk with Jesus at first may look a little bit different in your rhythm and your practice and your habits and your patterns as you walk with Jesus throughout a lifetime. But you've got to keep walking. The way I walked with Jesus when I first put my trust in God when I was 17 years old, finishing up my senior year of high school, looks a lot different than my walk with Jesus today, even though I am Dave Hobby and he is Jesus Christ unchanging. You've got to be willing to keep walking because it's worth the walk. But I'm learning more and more along the journey, though. There is some assembly required along the way. We present this message of good news. And it's true. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when you put your faith in Jesus, I believe there is a transformation that takes place. But you ever heard the expression, it doesn't all happen overnight. But everything that God wants to do in you, he can do in one moment. But there has to be a surrendering of the mind, your will, and your emotions continually because it's a constant war of the flesh and the spirit when we put our trust in Jesus God breathes new life in us Paul talks about it to the church of Corinth old things pass away and all things become new when someone is a new creation in Christ Jesus amen but in that same church, there was somebody sleeping with their mother-in-law. <laughs> it doesn't sound like new creation, does it? When God breathes new life into you, that old life is going to be in battle. There is going to be a war that is waged. And there may be some questioning of your faith. There may be some questioning of God, and there may be some questioning of yourself. But you've got to keep walking. I don't struggle with people who have doubts and that are willing to be real and say, you know what, it is difficult. Because in that place of authenticity, you can see great growth. Keep walking because that's where the assembly takes place. That's where you continually see a transformation from glory to glory. As you continue to walk in his word, as you continue to spend time in his presence, as you continue to spend time using your gifts to make a difference in the world for his gospel, 
as you continue to walk with people of like faith, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, your faith will increase. But it doesn't mean your struggles will decrease. It's part of the journey. Have you ever opened up a package that you bought off Amazon, two-day prime, and it was a day late, and you was upset about it, and you lost your patience, and you're cool? And then just to open it up, you find out it's not all in one piece. It's in multiple pieces. I know what some of you fellas do in the room. You look at all of it, lay it out, assess it, and say, you know what? I can put this together. You start putting it together, and you realize this part doesn't fit just right. And then there's a voice that comes from the other side of the room. Did you look at the instructions? My son made me proud this Christmas. We'll open up a few things. And they're getting to the place now that they don't need dad and mom as much. But I know he started digging right into it, laying it out, putting it together. And he kind of got stumped. And I said, Tan, you can look at those instructions, son. Sometimes those instructions can help prevent frustration. But what happens sometimes is we think that we can figure it all out. Because this is what we see in front of us. We set forth our plan and we start working the plan. But then when things start getting sideways and things are not fitting just right, we start questioning something ain't right. That's going to happen at some point in your faith life. There are so many people hurt, bitter, broken, busted, disgusted, angry, cussing mad at church. Because somebody that was religious hurt their feelings and now they're angry at God and angry at Christians because people are not perfect. Well, guess what? I'm not perfect. I'm going to get on your nerves. If it's not Sunday morning, me screaming at you, it's going to be Monday through Saturday. Because I am human. I live in a flesh and blood body. I want my honor to be towards God and to love him with all my heart. But I still live in a flesh and blood body. Don't put your faith in a man, a woman, a preacher, a counselor, a mentor. You put your trust in Jesus first. Because he's the one that said he'd never change. Because what happens is, when you put your trust in the church or people of confidence... And you get that place where there's some assembly that needs to take place. It'll be hard for God to build you if your trust is not in Him. When you read scriptures about pride and your trust has been in things, either yourself, your security, your plan and there begins to become a breaking if your faith is not in God your faith won't be built 
in that moment of testing. Your faith will be broken in that moment of testing. Your faith in God is the anchor. Because there has to be testing. Because in that testing, we learn the life of Jesus. In that testing, he builds us, he shapes us, he molds us. When you see Paul talking about these matters of Christian ethics, he did not start in a place of ethics. He started in a place of ecstasy. In Ephesians 1, he says, you're seated in heavenly places. I'm having a hard time going straight to ethics. And the reason why I'm having a hard time going straight to ethics is because I know what happens when you go straight to the rules. And you go straight to the commandments and the thou shalt not. You'll find yourself so weak and so broken that you can't keep the rules. And there's this tendency that when we're not keeping the rules, to put our focus on the mess rather than his message. When you break the rules, or you do something that's against his heart, the mess is not what our focus should be on. It's on the message. He is good. He is faithful. He is kind. He is lowly and gentle and meek at heart. And that's where we're going to learn these ethics and attributes of what it means not to be proud, not to be harsh, not to be unkind and impatient. It's worth a walk. Why is a walk worth it? This is why. Walking in love for one another will maintain the unity of the Spirit. Why is it worth the walk? Because walking in love will maintain the unity of the Spirit. There is a level of unity in this house that just totally provides encouragement for me, but also is beyond my wildest dreams. It's amazing how unified people are in this house. People can move from team to team, leadership role to leadership role, and there may be some struggle along the way, but there's a spirit of peace and unity in the process. When new leaders are implemented, people always say, well, I just want to make sure no one gets their feelings hurt. <laughs> you know why people in church can get their feelings hurt. I've not seen it in the longest time. I want us to keep walking in love for one another. Even though we cannot establish the unity of the Spirit according to Scripture, there is a requirement to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And to maintain the unity of the Spirit, it starts and ends with bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have responsibility as followers of Jesus to steward, to treasure, to make an eager effort to say, God, what you are doing right here, help us to honor, 
Help us to appreciate and treasure what's taking place because it's special. One translation that says this way, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Every church does not experience this, but the capital C church always experiences this. God wants his church, he wants his people, and he wants his body to be one and unified. That's our desire, that's our aim, and I believe that's what God is doing. But as we continue to take this walk of what it means to walk with Jesus and to walk with others in a way that leads them to Jesus, I feel like there's higher heights and deeper depths that we can go as we walk with him. That it's not about just punching a ticket and just keeping everybody happy. I believe God wants to pour out a spirit. I believe God wants to set people free. I believe that God wants places where people are hungry and excited about what he's doing. And I tell you, hunger for God will always starve the flesh. Struggle with some of these other things we're talking about this morning? Let your hunger for God increase. So what are we going to do? We're going to start with Scripture. Because you start with Scripture, it always shapes and molds your beliefs. But sometimes that fire starts burning, and then it starts dying out over time. Because, you know, we've learned all the Christian tenets of faith. We have all the right beliefs. You know, the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, when John received this message concerning the seven churches, one of the admonitions that God gave to the church of Ephesus, or the encouragements was, I like that your beliefs are in the right place. But I've got something against you because you've left your first love. See, it's one thing to have all the right beliefs about something and even to know how the instructional manual is laid out. But unless there is something that is being built, it's just a manual. God doesn't want the Bible in your life just to be a book that you believe in. He wants the book to be a book that transforms every aspect of your existence. The Bible, the Scripture... It's the only book in the world that you have an open invitation, an open access to spend time with the author whenever you would like. It's the living, breathed word of God. You've got to start with Scripture. So we're going to read the Scripture again. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. He says one a lot. Did I say that earlier? He's focusing on the one who is overall and through all, and in all. So as we have this observation here, it seems like Paul is saying, walk. Don't just stay in your seat. 
but walk. And this is how you walk. You walk with humility, you walk with gentleness, you walk with kindness, you walk with patience. It's congruent with the rest of Scripture. So as we make this observation, there are some Christian ethics that need to be displayed in our life as we walk out our faith. But as you make that observation, there's this struggle with application. Let me keep on going. We can keep on moving. Paul's admonition. Application. How do we do this? Anybody struggle with pride? Yeah, I got one, a couple people. Anybody struggle with being impatient? Yeah, I like that. I, got, I see them hands. You're going to raise, raise your neighbor's hand up. Like, Put your hand up, girl. You know, you got on my nerves on the way to church this morning. Have you ever read the Bible and thought, you know, there is no way. There is no way. Why would God give it to us? Why would this book be preserved for thousands of years? Why would Paul, a man that struggled with great pride because of his religious pedigrees, now is able to confidently say that he is seated in heavenly realms and that the power of Christ lies and abides within him, and then has this response to hold it over us as God's people to always be humble. I don't like that, Paul. To always be gentle and to be long-suffering. How'd you do it, Paul? (laughs) Because it's clear that Paul provides a directive on walking worthy of God's calling on our life. Now, this is what I'm not going to do. Some minister will stand in this place and say, oh, yeah, poor us. We're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Agreed. I don't know one person is born righteous. Give every baby about six months or nine months or a couple years, and they can be the selfish little thing that just wants the cookie out of the cookie drawer. There is no one that could hear this directive and say, man, that sounds great. Let's do it. Because when he says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, that is the core of Jesus' life. When Jesus could have flexed, he walked in humility. When Jesus could have been harsh, he was gentle. When we look at this life of following Jesus, and we look at the scripture, and we observe, and then we process this application, be gentle with yourself. Because you can't do it. (laughs) Be patient with yourself, because in yourself, You can't be patient. Just know there's some things you can make better in your life. 
But if we truly believe the gospel, there are certain aspects of our life that we're going to have to have God. Amen? And this is kind of where you go from Scripture, observation, application. I feel like this is what seals the deal and closes the back door in our faith. If we could stay in a posture of prayer. Prayer, it goes beyond saying words to God. Prayer can be intimidating. But prayer is simply, in its most easiest way to understand, is communication with God. If you want to have a relationship with God, there has to be communication. If you want a relationship with a person beside you, your spouse, your kids, your parents, there has to be communication. If there's not communication, there won't be connection. Communication creates the opportunity for connection. You want to be connected to God? He wants to be connected with you. That's where our will has to be surrendered. That's where we have this idea that we can do everything in our own strength. We don't need your help, Lord. No. That's where you shift that and say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you, and I need your help. I need your strength. Prayer. We're in 21 days of prayer, but it's not going to be just 21 days of prayer. We're going to encourage you to pray beyond the 21 days. Because we feel like prayer here at Ville Church is, when you look at Scripture, that is the secret label sauce. Because prayer opens up presence. You may experience God's presence in a unique and profound way at pivots and moments of your life. When you experience something difficult, he may overwhelm you with his mercy, with his encouragement. Hope, just know that he is there. But you know, you don't have to be broke down beside the road with everything falling apart to experience the mercy and the goodness and the presence of God. We could turn the lights down low right now. Turn some words and music on. Everybody find them a little solitude place. And you can enter into that heavenly place that he's called you to sit in. And I guarantee you, when you stay seated in his presence long enough, your walk will look a lot different. The problem is, we go from Laying to walking immediately every day. We go from this posture of physical rest to physical work every day. What if we went from this posture of physical rest and then we went to spiritual rest, we entered into his presence, that maybe the physical, spiritual, emotional walk will look a little bit different. Prayer. So Dave, that sounds legalistic. There's a balance there. There's a balance. You will know 
what meaningful prayer is when you get there. There is a fine line between, God, I'm going to spend time in your presence because I love you, and saying, oh, I better go to God's presence because things are going to fall apart. I don't want you to feel the pressure that you have to do it. But there may be some discipline that you put in place at first because maybe you've never done it. Maybe we're used to running our own rhythms on how we walk. And as you learn to walk with Jesus, maybe when you stumble and fall a little bit, maybe even that's a part of God's plan. Because when you stumble and fall, and you know that you're not falling alone, but he is with you, it builds and encourages and it strengthens. Paul takes his transition from walking and then he goes through this seven statements of one. It seems like Paul would go from like walking humility and gentleness and kindness and being patient to like saying, okay, this is, a, this, is how, this is what this looks like with your neighbor, all right? This is what it looks like in your home. And he does do that. But he changes gears super quick and he goes straight back into God. I'm glad he does. Because it lets me know that Paul learned what it meant to walk with him. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who's over all, and through all, and all. One plus one plus one equals what? One. God math don't add up like the world's math does. See, we want five different ways to live our best life. God has one. We want five ways to walk in humility, gentleness, and kindness. God has one. See, we want to walk worthy. And we want to come to church for the preacher to give us our five steps. But Jesus says, just keep stepping. If you're walking with me, you're going to be all right. One plus one plus one is always one. Walking in love will maintain the unity of the Spirit. But walking in love will never be possible if you don't understand the principle of the one. Because there can be times you don't want to be patient, kind, loving, and all those wonderful Christian qualities. But when your focus is on the one, It'll change the way that you treat one another. I promise you, you won't be able to live a self-centered, conceited life that's all about you when your focus is on the one who sacrificed it all for you and for me. One body. The Bible says, but our bodies have many parts. Talk about the body that we live within. Ain't you glad for your toes? Even your underarm. Ain't you glad for your underarm? Your ears. 
And God has put each part just where he wants it. I'm glad he didn't put my toes on my ear. I'm glad he didn't put my, my eyes on my kneecaps. Didn't he make us perfect? Everything just fit together just right. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. One spirit. It says, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. You know, so many religions are so stressed out about all the gods they have to pray for and pray to. I have some friends that they moved into a new neighborhood and their, their neighbors have statues all over their house. And listen, if you have a statue in your house, I'm cool with it as long as it's not a statue of me, okay? Uh, you, you can do whatever you want to do. If, if it's a statue of Nick Saban because you roll tide, go ahead. Because in Alabama, they sell them. 14 karat pure gold, baby. But, but there's statues all over the house. It's different gods they pray to. One day all the kids are running around. And I, I know. I know they broke something. Because they probably broke something in my house too at one point in time. Because kids break stuff, right? One of the statues fell and hit the ground and shattered. The whole family not my friend, but the whole family jumped on the ground and just started chanting and praying. If my house burns to the ground, I may cry a little bit. But that house has no power. That house has no hope. That's nothing that I worship. That's not my truth. There is one spirit. For God is spirit. He doesn't make it hard. One hope. I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope that the power of the Holy Spirit will fill you completely with joy and peace. Peace is the absence of chaos. People that walk in pride, harsh, they're not going to walk in peace. If you want peace in your life, you have to have the source of hope. The one hope. The one hope that's found in Jesus. Don't allow a preacher or a Christian or a small group to place ethical pressure on you without giving you the secret sauce, baby. That's it. <laughs> one Lord. Remember the things I have done in the time past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. I am not a minister that believes that all roads lead to the same place. If all roads would lead to the same place, I would not have cashed out everything and lived in a camper for my clothes to be froze to the side of it during the winter of 2016. If all roads led to the same place, you know what? Let's not make the sacrifice. Let's just live selfish and drunken orgies. No. I believe that the one true God that has the power to raise the dead is the one that we must surrender our life to. Remember the things I've done in the past. I know what he's done. 
I know I've walked through some hard seasons, but I know at 18 years old, he reached down, he picked me up, and he set me free. For I alone am God. The reason why I look to him as God is because nobody else could take that place and transform me. When people talk to me about other religions, I never get upset. When they talk to me about Islam or Buddhism, whatever it may be, I just smile real big and say, okay, tell me what your God's done for you. Don't tell me what you're doing for your God. Tell me what your God's done for you. Because it's not about what we've done for him. It's about what he's done for us. (laughs) One faith. There is salvation, no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Lord, would you please come? One baptism. See, some people believe this is like this ecumenical thing that Paul is talking about. That um, He's talking about one faith, one Lord, one baptism, like water baptism. No, 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 no. This goes much deeper than water baptism. This is the one baptism that unites all of us as we're baptized into the body of Christ, which is separate from water baptism, which is separate from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. I like the way you're looking at me. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we're one. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit, the spirit of God that lives within us, that brings us together. And he says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God. This is it. You want, you want to know what it means to follow Jesus? It's right here. Do you think following Jesus and following and welcome with God started about 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up on the scene? No. This is what they used to teach their kids. But all the other nations would burn their incense to idols. Those that served Jehovah the one who could heal, the one who could deliver, the one who could save. They'd gather their kids around. And this is what they would talk about. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. And when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. If you want to walk worthy, there has to be some assembly. The assembly takes place not in your labor for him. It takes place in your love for him. He will teach you what it means to be humble. I promise you. He will teach you what it means to be patient. He will teach you what it means to be long-suffering. You don't have to worry about learning those traits. But I want to encourage you to keep your heart postured in a place that I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. 
because it's worth the walk. And he is working in me. I don't know where everyone's at today, but I want every one of us to be committed to Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God today. But if you're sitting back feeling defeated, just thinking that it's too difficult, you're right. It is too difficult in yourself. But in Christ, all things are possible. You may feel distant from God today altogether. Well, today, all things can change. I pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. I thank you for your presence in our life. I thank you for every person here today. I believe you're at work in our lives. I believe, Lord, that you have our best interest in mind. Because I believe at the core of all of it, you want us to know you. And God, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you and they feel distant from you, I pray, God, that you'll draw them, that you'll encourage them, that you'll strengthen them. And that they'll have a heart of humility to humble themselves before your presence and to put their faith in you. With no one looking around this morning, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Dave, that's me. I'm struggling in my faith and I'm ready for a fresh start. I want to put my trust in God afresh in you. I want old things to pass away. I want all things to become new. And I want to walk with Jesus. If that's you today, just slip your hand up right there where you're at. I want to pray with you. No one looking around. Is anyone at all? I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Anyone? Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me so I could have a brand new life for you. Forgive me of my sins and help me to forgive myself and those around me. Let this be the first day of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you for these precious people. I pray, God, that you would encourage them in their walk with you. God, knowing that our one Lord, that our one faith, that our one hope, that the one Spirit is all the necessary ingredients and tools needed to build us and shape us into the people you've called us to be. That our hearts and minds be confident knowing that you're with us and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you celebrate with me today who made a decision? Yeah, God bless you. We love you.